get this this out of the way here. What is that, everybody? A trash can, right? Trash can. And you know, sometimes there's things that get in our way from getting closer to God. And here is a. This is a notebook I've kept for years of all my educational accomplishments. It has my resume, it has certificates, diplomas, it has letters of recommendation, all the way back from days of college to more recently, even, you know, did you know that I worked for Columbia Teachers College for a year as a consultant here in Bridgeport and so many other things. I was in the math department for years. All garbage, if it gets in the way of God. I don't know if some of you know that, you know, I think if some of you know I love sports, and uh, I ran two marathons, which um, are represented by these medallions, and it was a great accomplishment, And uh, but if it gets in the way of God, it's just trash. Oh, my phone, which has my credit card and uh, some other cards, gets in the way of the Lord. Garbage. My car, my wife's car, represented by these keys. If I had the deed to my house, too, it would be... Garbage, if it gets in the way of me serving the Lord. All the money in my bank account, in my investment loans, money that I've earned through the years. Even my identity, my license is here. Garbage. God is not interested in titles. Another thing that might represent titles is my certificate when I became a licensed pastor and an ordained pastor. 2002, a license. I was ordained 2004, then ordained again to be pastor of this church. It gets in the way of serving God and knowing God. It's garbage. One last one. This one could be a tough one. It's a picture of my family. If my focus is solely on my family, my father, mother, my wife, my children, my grandchildren, and God is out of the picture, it's garbage. Let us stand and pray. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for uh, this day that you have made. Help us to rejoice and be glad in it, O Lord. Search our hearts this morning. Search our souls, search our minds. 
and bring forth anything, Lord, anything that might be a hindrance in our walk with you. So minister, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I've actually entitled this message, You've Already Won the Race, Just Finish It. You've already won the race, just finish it. And we're continuing the series on, um, on attitude, right? And we're going through the book of Philippians. And this month, I mean this week, the, the whole month is the book of Philippians. But this week we're focusing on chapter 3, on chapter 3 of, of the book of Philippians. And uh, I'm going to have you stand once again. We're going to read the key verse here that I have for this passage Verse 14, if we could read that together. Uh, I'm not sure if it's there, but it says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So the um, we're going to talk about a few things with dealing with attitude, uh, mainly an attitude of perseverance, an attitude of having a right heart, right? And so we want to be able to persevere until the end, no matter what obstacles or what things come in our way. And you could, you saw as I started, you know, things that could come in the way of us truly serving God and, and having a a deeper relationship with him. Amen. And so in going through the book of Philippians, I'm going to look at uh, three stages of the Christian life. Okay. From, and, and in these stages, how Christ has made us perfect and continues to make us perfect until he will complete it. All three are mentioned in the book of Philippians, uh, especially in chapter 3. And uh, we want to, to um, believe and remain faithful to him because he's, he's done this completion. He's done this perfection already. It's nothing that we can do on our own. And so, you know, a lot of these things, I needed God's help to accomplish. Um. But there's many who try, and I could say there was some in there too that I tried to do on my own. Not on God's way, but my way. But God wants to teach us and show us that it's only his way. He's the one that, that is only perfect. And through Jesus Christ, he's made us perfect and continues to make us perfect. As it says in Philippians 1.6, to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That was in Philippians 1.6, which Pastor Josh preached already on one, chapters 1 and 2. So uh, the first point is understanding that we already have a perfect relationship. We have a perfect relationship with Jesus Christ. Is that something to give glory to God about? Amen. Amen. And so verse 3 of Philippians chapter 3 says, For it is we who are the circumcision. We 
who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Amen? So Paul makes a reference to circumcision in this verse. Okay, we have some young people here, right? Um, and he's referring in, at first to the physical act performed on an eight-day-old male from Jewish descent that is, um, has to be fulfilled, has to be done to fulfill the law, to be right with God, to be set aside and, and um, set apart for God, to know that, he, that they were God's people. I always wondered why they didn't do that with women. But, but uh, they represent. <laughs> they represent. You know, the, the it represented this covenant relationship with God. Okay, and it was performed on every eight-day-old male son. And uh, Paul, Paul fulfilled that law. Okay, and he talks about that. Uh, which I'm going to share in a, in a minute. Uh, he, but we know that now, after Jesus has come, there's a new covenant, a new covenant, right? It's, the old covenant is covered by the Old Testament. And when Jesus came, he came to fulfill the law. Now, Jesus himself was circumcised. And um, many of his followers were circumcised because they were of Jewish descent. But... As we see in the scriptures, Jesus becomes that sacrifice for us that, that um, by shedding his blood, by giving his body, that we are set apart through him, through what he did on the cross, nothing that we did on our own, no righteous act of our own. And so... This means that the day that we accepted Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, that was fulfilled in us. And this means that our hearts, now let me see if you could understand this, our hearts are becoming circumcised, set apart for God. Okay, it's a circumcision of our hearts. And, um, and it comes on the day that we truly believe and accept Jesus in our heart as Lord and Savior. All of our works come as a result of putting our faith and trust in Jesus. All of the things that we do, all of our accomplishments, all the good deeds, come as a result of serving Jesus. Otherwise, they're in the trap. They're garbage. Colossians 2, 9 to 12 states a little bit more about this. Let's read that together here. Uh, Colossians 2, 9 to 12, which is the next chapter, next uh, book that follows Philippians. For in Christ, all the Fullness, say fullness. fullness. Fullness of the deity 
lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Say it again, fullness. He is the head over every power and authority, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith, say faith, in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So this passage, these verses is saying the day that you opened your heart to Jesus, the day that you confessed Christ as your Savior, all of his fullness came to live within you. Let that sink in for a second. All of his fullness came to live in you. The creator of all the universe, the one who healed uh, hundreds, and as a result of him, thousands and millions have been healed through the years. All of that lives within us. His dunamis power that raised him from the dead lives in us. All of his authority lives in us. But sometimes we don't remember that. It doesn't sink in. We just need to acknowledge his presence every day. Right, Sister Nina? When we wake up in the morning, what do you do? <laughs> and I know that Sister Anita's morning starts very early. <laughs> and so we... we welcome him into our presence because he does it all he's done it all there's nothing that we can do no accomplishment our accomplishments are like they're nothing compared to what he has done amen so we need to stay connected connected to him and this is a lifelong process just when you think you got it together jesus tells you well there's another area i want you to work in I don't like your thinking in that area. I don't like the way you responded to these people. You know, it's very easy to get rid of those overt sins, those very, that people all know, you know, those habits that we bring in from the old man. But then he's also doing the things in our, that are in our minds still. The things that have been buried away, he still wants to cleanse and take care of all those things. And that's a lifelong process. I've learned that in my many years walking with the Lord. And it gets, it, it just doesn't get tested. Um, it, you know, the Lord, um, I have to spend that time with him, let's put it this way, for him to reveal that with me. Okay, and so it works hand in hand. It's good to be in his presence, but then we are out there in the real world and it gets tested. We get tested, and then we come back to with him, and he says to us, oh, I didn't like what you just did a, little, uh, a couple hours ago or this day or whatever. That's the, the lifelong process, the lifelong process. We need to be in his word every day. That's where our commandments come from. That's where his promises. That's where we build our faith, right? We need to be in prayer with him. We, we don't know somebody until we talk to them 
right? Have conversation. Listen. Listen to his voice. You know, one of my favorite times to listen to God is when I'm walking the dog in the morning. Today it was 5 o'clock in the morning walking him. There's, you know, Sunday morning, 5 o'clock, nothing is going on. There's no cars, nothing. So I'm walking, I'm hearing the Lord during those times. Many times he speaks to me during those times. God, I want you to repeat after me this. God values the attitude of our hearts more than anything else. Say it again. More than anything else. Nothing can come in the way of the attitude of our heart with God. So we have a perfect relationship with him. The day that we accept it. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And the day you became a child of God, all the fullness of God entered in you. And he's, he's telling us, commanding us, walk in that fullness. Walk in your authority. Walk as a miracle maker because he is doing it all through you. He's working through you. And as you decrease, he increases. The more we decrease, the more he increases. And that's a lifelong process, which leads me to um, the second point, uh, a perfect progress. It's a progress of, uh, of being sanctified day by day, made, made more holy day by day. And um, I'm going to read from verses 4 to 14 in Philippians chapter 3, but I'm going to pause after a few verses and kind of reflect a little bit on what's being said there, okay? So I'm going to start with verse 4, and he's finishing the, Paul is finishing the sentence from verse 3, where he said, um, For it is we who are of the circumcision, we who serve by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And then verse 4 continues that sentence, where he says, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. And he goes on to say, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. <laughs> and then he starts to share his resume. <laughs> Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. That means, you know, he was beyond just a normal Jewish person. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. He studied the word. He was a, a probably, a, you know, they, if they gave a, a, a diploma for that, he would have had a doctorate in the law. As for zeal, persecuting the church. Because he, he really thought that what he was doing was serving God, and God would be honored by him persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Based on the law, <laughs> he was faultless. So Paul is making it real clear in these verses that he was super qualified. Very qualified. In other uh, chapters, he said he studied under this um, 
a teacher called Gamaliel, who was probably one of the, you know, the wisest teachers of, of, of the Jewish people of the law back then. And so it's like going to Yale or Harvard. <laughs> he had a proper upbringing in his Jewish heritage. He was well-trained in the scripture. He had a strong moral conscience. But all of this still left him outside of the glory of God. It wasn't until he was knocked off his horse on the way to Damascus that he truly found the meaning of life. So I want to ask you a couple questions. This is for the young people. Are you depending on your Christian parents to get to be with, right with God? Or those of you that attend a church consistently, are you depending on your church attendance to be in right standing with God? Well, you would be just like Paul before he met Christ if he answered yes. You see, salvation, again, can only come through faith in Jesus, in Jesus Christ. And so I want to read also um, uh, another passage that talks about this process of perfection that we see in Mark 8.36. Wait, did it not come on but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Um, Mark 8.36, right? Is that where it marked? Did I? Okay, did I read? Okay, yeah. Okay, what is good? Oh, I, okay, that's what I meant. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their very soul. I think I copied it wrong here. This is the passage. <laughs> I'm glad. It's, see, I need Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, so if anything gets in the way of us um, knowing Christ, all everything that we've gained through this world, financial possessions, you know, degrees, if that it gets in the way, it's, it, it will forfeit our soul, right? It will forfeit our soul. Um, I'm going to read on in, uh, actually, in um, the verse 7. <laughs> That's what I meant to read before that I read earlier. Verse 7 of Philippians chapter 3 uh, shares how whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ, right? And so that was a, a passage from Mark that kind of shares more about that. Now, verses 8 to, going back to Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 to, to 9. What is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake... I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. 
Now, I preached a few months back on a passage, on this passage. That Greek word for garbage is skubalon. And I'm going to tell you what that word means. Say it, skubalon. Okay, I'll tell you what that means in a moment. It's related to my dog, too. Okay, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Okay, so he keeps drilling this point. He wants you, it wants, Paul wants it to sink in your head. It's not by your acts of righteousness. It's not by your good deeds. It's not by your works. It's not by your accomplishments. It's by faith in him. Faith in him, amen? And so he considers all these things garbage. The Greek word skubalon is the word in Greek meaning animal excrement. Put it in your in simple terms, dog poop. And I know about dog poop every day. Comes in all forms, shapes, sizes. All right, enough of that. <laughs> and Jesus is saying that all these things that come in the way of knowing, allowing him to work in you are that, poop. Knowing Christ should be the ultimate priority in our lives. Anything that gets in the way is poop. Everything I do, what I, what I go, to, go to college for, what I earn my living for, what I do for recreation and hobbies should be to increase my relationship with him and make him known to others. Amen? So when you're, you're asking God, what should I go to study in school Ask him very specifically to show you. And he will show you how he will use that to increase his kingdom. Not for your glory, for his glory. The hobbies you have, the things, I love sports. But if it's just for me, for my own glory, it's poop. But if I use it, for his glory, to help others come to Jesus. You see, when I ran um, the first marathon, we, I did it together with that Pastor Jim, Bishop Jim, uh, Pastor Josh, Israel, there were some others here, and we did it to, to learn something about endurance, perseverance. We really, Pastor, Pastor Jim, had been, that had been in his heart for a while, and, you know, I was, a, I was the one that was like, wow, I don't think I could do this. And as we trained together for months, I learned a lot about perseverance through that. And that's helped me a lot and understand what life. Then two years later, God, I thought that was it. God talked to me, spoke to my heart, said, I want you to run another marathon, but this time it will be for Haiti. And I think we raised uh, like $2,000 of just pledges for me running that marathon. And I just... <laughs> 
I wanted to give up on that race too. <laughs> and uh, it was like God kept reminding me of the purpose and the goal. Okay, more. I'll share more about that a little later of, of what I learned, some things I learned by running a marathon. But again, if, if we do these things just for our own glory, for our own recognition, for our own titles, to be showcased before everybody and not illustrating the Lord Jesus, it's poop, it's, it's garbage. And I've, there's been times I've failed in that area many times. Okay, going back to um, the main passage in Philippians, I'm going to continue from um, verse 10. I want to know Christ Jesus. Uh, excuse me, I want to know Christ. Yes. To know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. You see, as we walk with Christ, he's going to stretch us even further to things that we are not comfortable at doing, that we wouldn't even dare to do or try Sister Anita is going to Haiti. It's dangerous in Haiti right now. Every, you know, people that, that probably don't understand the, the will of God in this and purpose, probably telling her, don't go, don't. But she has it in her spirit. I had it in my spirit. Pastor Josh, he, she spoke to us. And we had a peace for her to go. And I know God is going to protect her because she's doing God's work and she's going to come back. And something Big is going to happen through her obedience. And so sometimes we need to go through sufferings and persecutions when we're doing God's will. And that's where the tire meets the road. That's where the furnace gets hotter. And that's where our true faith is tested. Do we run? Do we stop? Or do we continue to go forward? Paul, Paul gave up everything, his family, his friendships, his freedom. He wrote, when he wrote Philippians, he was in jail. You read about it in Acts. He gave up everything in order to know Christ and his resurrection power. See, why sometimes we don't see that power being manifested in the church more. It's because we're letting too much garbage in. And, and um, it's getting in the way from that power to be exercised. What are you willing to give up in order to know Christ in a deeper way? Is it a busy schedule? in order to spend some time with Jesus every day in prayer and Bible study? Or do we need to give up some, some of our own pleasures, our own, our own personal plans? Whatever it is, knowing Christ is more 
than worth the sacrifice. Amen? Amen? Everybody with me? Amen? Okay, I'm going back to the main text. I think we left off in the middle of verse 12. I'm going to go to the second part of verse 12. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward, staring toward, excuse me, what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He strains, he presses, he continues to go forward no matter what is going on in, uh, in his surrounding, in his circumstances. He's in chains as he's writing this. We should not let anything keep us from taking our eyes off the goal. Nothing. The goal is to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, right? And, and know him to the very end. And, and that, 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 that knowing him keeps growing and growing in us. We have to train like an athlete. And as I shared you know, earlier, I, I ran two marathons. It was, right, it was in the month of October, right before my 50th birthday and my 52nd birthday. Both times was about four hours and 18 minutes. I can't still remember. And I had to go through a strict training for six months. It was at least six months, uh, both times. Um, the training that I went with Pastor Jim, we were holding each other accountable. Um, I had to do alone the second time. And I had to continue in that regiment because you just don't get up and run a marathon. <laughs> you would probably stop after a few miles. Your body has to be prepared. You have to feed your body properly. You have to train your body to endure a distance. You have to run through the pain. You have to put a time aside. I remember going to Seaside Park on Saturdays. Toward the end, we were running 18, 20 miles to get ready. I think 20 miles was the last we ran. It took about four hours, roughly, to, to run that. We had to put that time aside. And um, But the ultimate the, the ultimate goal, I'm talking about our spiritual life, is that we need to set our mind to know that Christ will help me accomplish this goal of finishing the race, right? We have to set our mind. We're gonna, I'm going to finish the race, and I'm going to finish it strong. I'm not going to wimp in, limp in, <laughs> you know, like, and you know what? You know, I was, I was limping. <laughs> I was walking around the 20th mile of the marathon, and, and I remember being encouraged along the way, and people, you could still do it. You could still do it. Brother Israel on the second one, you know, I was, you know, I got cramps. I've shared this many times, cramps on both legs, and I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't run. And then he came out on his bicycle, and he said, you could do this, Pastor. 
<laughs> and that's like the voice of Jesus. You could do it. You could finish. It gained up my strength to keep going. And I didn't limp in through the finish line. I, I ran through the finish line. And that's what God wants of us, to finish strong, right? Um, and so um, Paul said that he would, you know, forget what was behind him, right? And, and, and not, not look back, not look back at things of life. If, we, if you were running and looking backwards, you're going to stumble over, over something in the ground or somebody in front of you. You got to look ahead. You got to look forward. And you got to make a plan. You know, like uh, God will give you a plan, guidance on how to do that so that you, you set certain achievements along the way, certain goals, and then you've reached the ultimate goal when he calls you home. That's the ultimate goal. Amen? You don't want to limp in. You don't want to limp in. It says in Luke 9.62, Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This could look back, I could see it two ways. I could see, I could see it looking back at your accomplishments and all the things that you have done in the past. Today is a new day. God has something new for you. You cannot live on your accomplishments of the past. He has a new plan for you every day. If you do that, you're going to get stuck. The other thing we look back is our failures. And we look back at those failures and say, man, that thing's going to spring up again. Remember, you have the fullness of God. You have the authority. Everything of, of Jesus lives in you. And so you have the authority to put the enemy under your feet and tell him to flee in the name of Jesus, and he will go. The enemy is just a roaring lion trying to spook you. And I keep telling people he has no teeth. He's like my dog these days. <laughs> he can't, they can't bite you or hurt you. Hormone. Anyways, don't look back, right? Don't look back. Don't dwell on your past. Concentrate on him. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. This is a beautiful passage that reminds us of that race. Okay? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, there's many that have gone before us that have won the race, that are with Jesus now, celebrating in his glory. A great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles Throw these things off. You know, I think of, a, I saw this movie not too long ago. I think they, it was called The Aeronaut, The Argonaut or something. And it was a movie about a, this man and woman that went up on a hot air balloon back in the um, I don't know, early, I don't know if it was in the 1800s. And he was a weather guy. And, and um, I remember there was a part where the balloon was coming back down. And they had too much weight. And it was coming down fast. They were going to crash, so they're throwing everything out, everything out. And some of those things were his uh, equipment and, and some valuable things, but if they didn't get rid of that, they were going to crash and die. And so we want to throw away, right? Get rid of those things that get in the way, amen? Get rid of them. 
everything that hinders, that entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Amen? Perseverance, that word in the Greek is the word hupomone. Hupomone. Say that together. Hupomone. And that means a patient endurance, a steadfastness in doing something despite any difficulty or delay in achieving the end goal. Perseverance, sticking with it, no matter what's happening, no matter what people are saying, no matter what lies the enemy is bringing, no matter what circumstances, keep at it. Oh, man, but it's hard, Pastor. You don't know. Yesterday, somebody hit my car, and, and my wife said she wants to leave me. And oh, sometimes they all come in bunches. Charlie said threes. Give it to the Lord. It's just a test. Just a test. Let me read, uh, fixing, I'm back to Hebrews 12, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If Jesus had given up, we wouldn't be here today. That deserves a right. That deserves an applause. Thank you, Lord. Jesus endured the cross for us. He was thinking of you and me when he endured all the things that we went on on the cross, that were, even on the way to the cross. His body could barely endure, I'm sure. And that's why when he was on the cross, it didn't take long for him to, to die because of everything that he went through even before that. So Christ will continue to perfect us right to the very end. And this is the last point I want to bring. Until we're completely perfect. Until we're completely perfect. And we see that in Philippians 3, 20 to 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Oh, Lord, what a glorious day that's going to be. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. When we came to Christ, we were no longer citizens here on earth, right? We're not citizens of the United States or the earth. We're citizens of heaven. And that's where we take our commands from. Our, our, that's who we serve, right? Verse 20 states, uh, I said that. Okay, First John 3, 2 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We shall see Christ as he is in his glorious body because we will have a glorious body. And I don't know if we're going to see him um, by him coming back for us. 
the signs are showing that it's soon. It's soon. Or will it be from the grave on the day we will all rise up? The dead in Christ will rise to him. I wouldn't want to be in a cemetery and not know Jesus on his day because they're going to be spooked. All these bodies going up to heaven. His resurrection ground. So I await that day, that perfect day of uh, when I will be transformed and with Jesus celebrating because I finished the race with him. Amen. And so um, as I conclude, I want to show a little clip of a, of a man who, who lived in the early 1900s. There was a movie made about him back in 1981. And I don't know if you have that clip. Um, so as they get that ready, it's a, I'm not going to tell you his name yet until they put it up, but it's a Scottish man. And he ran in the, in the Paris Olympics in 1924. He didn't run in the race that he was supposed to run. That, I mean, his, the race that he was the best at was the 100-meter dash. And he didn't run on that day because they had to change the race to Sunday. And he loved the Lord, honored the Lord, because the Lord gave him the ability to run that he did not want to run on that day. So he, he chose not to run the 100 meters. He was from England, Scottish man from England. And so the Lord opened up an opportunity because he honored him, the Lord. And you can see in this clip, are you ready? Or no? However, Harold Abrahams was sure his best chance of Olympic gold rested with the 100 meters. This is uh, the one who won. He wasn't in this race. This is the 100 meters. The one who won, I think, the name of Abrahams. I think he was in the United States. There they are running. As he crossed the line, Abrahams had run the race of his life beating Schultz to the gold by over a foot. Another British oh, sprinter great. should have been in that final, but for a twist of fate. Eric Little. Eric Little was due to run in the 100 meters, but withdrew when he discovered the heats fell on a Sunday, his day of worship. Instead, Little ran in the 400 meters and made it to the final. This was in his best race. Not expected to do well, Little ran like a man inspired. Starting in the outside lane, he passed the 200-meter mark in a remarkable 22.2 seconds, a time many thought was too fast to maintain. But Little showed no sign of tiring coming into the final straight. In fact, he increased his lead. When he crossed the line, he had set a new Olympic record of 47.6 seconds, leaving the other runners floundering in despair. film Chariots of Fire dramatized Abraham's and Little's heroic stories for a whole new audience but their real moments of victory came in Paris in 1924. Well, they mentioned the movie how many have seen that movie Chariots of Fire it's been around since 1981 get a chance to see it it's a very inspiring movie of a Christian man Eric Little who um, you know 
ran for the Lord. And after this, in the movie, he talks about, too, that he went to be a missionary in China. And while he, I want to share with you about that, because that's not much shared in the movie. And I was just sharing recently at Northbridge with the elderly people there about Eric Little and his mission in China. He, he went, he left his pregnant wife and two children to be a missionary in China. And while he was in China, they were at war with Japan. And um, Japan uh, took over the area that he was in, and he was put in an imprisoned camp, imprisoned in a, in a camp. And while he was in that camp, instead of feeling depressed and moping, he started encouraging the people that were in prison, especially the children. And he just ministered to them. And um, when he was 43 years old, he wrote a letter to his wife, Florence, from his bed in the infirmary. He said to a friend who was uh, writing this for him, a colleague, he said, the, one of his last words, it's full surrender. It's full surrender. Then he slipped into a coma and later died of a brain tumor. This was just, listen to this, this was just months away before all the prisoners would be set free. In a few months, they will all be set free. And you start, and people think, why didn't God allow him to go back and see his family? He didn't even see his, his, his youngest daughter. He had three daughters. And um, his daughter, Patricia, would later state the following. The number of people he's influenced. Well, things, well, things seem to add up, don't they? You only appreciate it when you look at each stage of his life and make the connections between them. I used to ask myself, how would things have turned out if the three of us, she and her, three sis and her two sisters, and our mother had been in the camp with him then I understood my father would have spent less time with the other youngsters, which would have deprived them of so much that didn't seem fair to them. He was needed there. The stories we heard after his death proved that. And there were many stories of the people that he touched in that prison camp that went on to live their lives for Christ. So are you ready to press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called you heavenward in Christ Jesus? As we've seen in chapter 3 of Philippians, you've already won the race. You just have to finish it. Amen? So let's, let's pray. Father, Lord, I, I just want to pray right now over anyone in this congregation who, first of all, might not even know you, Father God, have not even entered the race yet, um, have not received your fullness yet because they haven't confessed you as their personal Lord and Savior. I want you, Holy Spirit, if you were touching a soul, a life here now or online, uh, help them 
to confess that before you right now, to make that declaration before you right now, Father God. And if it's somebody here right now that wants to make that declaration, you can demonstrate it now by standing up. If you've never received Jesus in your heart and you want to experience His glory, His resurrection power, His fullness, and have a relationship with Him that will last to eternity, you could demonstrate that now by just standing up where you're at. Even if it's uh, a rededication. I pray right now even for those who, who have drifted and want to make that rededication with you. Restore that first love. Restore uh, those promises which they've by their lives wanted to cancel out. But you've never canceled those promises out. And you've never left them or abandoned them, Father God. You've just been waiting. You've been waiting patiently for each and every one to come back to your feet, to be restored. If that's you, declare that right now before him by standing up. Because I want to make a special prayer over anyone who's standing right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let me just pray. And repeat after me if you're standing. Dear Father, I, I dedicate my, my life to you. From this day forward, Make my ways your way. I put you first in my life. I receive you into my heart. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins and making me righteous and holy through Jesus Christ. Not by some strength of my own, but my full faith and trust in you. Thank you for promising me eternal life with you. I repent of my ways and from this day forward I live my life to serve you by our, my faith in Jesus Christ. Amen.